And so after you've kind of DIY'd it a couple of times and sort of done what you know, which which makes a ton of sense, that's usually when companies reach out to me, leaders reach out to me. They say, look, this is the thing we believe is wrong and you know, we need to we need to fix it. Welcome back to another episode of Gaining the Technology Leadership Edge. Today, my guest is Amanda Russo, COO of Cornerstone Paradigm Consulting. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thanks so much, Mike, for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. So so tell me a little bit about um, the company Cornerstone. Yeah, what did you guys so, do? Yeah, we, um, we are sort of the, the quick version of us is we're an industry agnostic business operations consulting firm. We cover end-to-end business ops. So anything required to run a business, we cover. Those things fall into four um, areas of business, which is people, processes, technology, and customer experience. And so we cover it end-to-end. We can help vet technology solutions, implement them, project management all the way through. Um, It's not just about technology, though. I want to just sort of make that point really quick is that there are four pillars and they are all interconnected. So um, it is a little bit of a balance, but yeah, that's what we cover. Like what, what would a typical engagement be like with you if, if a company was interested? Yeah. So organizations have usually, I think I mentioned this to you earlier in, in a, one of our conversations, but organizations have typically, they know that, the, that something is wrong. Something is not working the way it should or the way that you might want it to, um, whether that's a bleeding bottom line having trouble with customer acquisition, maybe scaling the business, something is going on and you've kind of thrown everything you can at it that you know, and it's just nothing is working. Nothing is 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 sort of moving the needle forward. And so after you've kind of DIY'd it a couple of times and sort of done what you know, which which makes a ton of sense, that's usually when companies reach out to me, leaders reach out to me. They say, look, this is the thing we believe is wrong and you know we need to we need to fix this we have high attrition we have bleeding bottom or something right we start every single engagement with a process map and a process map doesn't necessarily and processing technology stack map but it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to map out the whole place and we're going to you know we're going to come in and look at the thing that the issue that you're raising and try to figure out what is the root cause not the symptoms, which is usually what a lot of leaders believe is the cause, but it's typically a symptom, will get to the root cause or causes with mapping. And then we have a larger conversation, a more in-depth and intelligent conversation about what's really going on, ways in which you can mitigate the issues. And then we plan from there. What What's the appetite? What's the budget? You know, so it allows us to have a, a deeper conversation. So you're using the the feedback that you initially get when you do the engagement and you start to focus there. Um, that makes sense because obviously it could, you're right. It could be failure to retain staff, for example. It could be um, a symptom of many, many things, yeah. um, but it is a problem. And so if they're obviously seeing that problem, you're, you're starting there. Um, it's like a doctor, you know, you hear symptoms, you put it all together. And after a while you go, aha, this is where it points to. So, that's that's really interesting. So, do you ever make any like you mentioned, um, like a tech stack map? Um, do you ever make any recommendations on that for yes. different businesses? Oh, absolutely. So, technology okay. plays a major role in any company. It doesn't matter if you're just a startup or a you know a one man one man or woman shop, or you're you know two hundred and fifty thousand employees deep. 
right? Technology is going to play a pivotal role in any business. Um, and it does. It plays a, it plays a very valuable role in certainly in operations and running the business. And so we do. But I, I say that in the same breath to say technology is not the only solution. We can't just buy something shiny and new, a new piece of technology, and all of our problems are going to go away. That's just not the way it works. And so that's why I earlier sort of alluded to that there are four specific categories and they are all interconnected. So yes, we will we will suggest multiple, because it's usually multi-layer in these larger organizations. Um, we will make technology recommendations, um, but there are lots of things that must happen before making a technology recommendation. Business requirements, business needs, integrate integratability, right? With with technology that we're gonna keep. So there's a lot of things like sort of it's like a, it's multi-layer. And it's kind of a loaded question, right? Because like everybody just wants to get to the solution, but there are lots of things that need to happen before you actually get to the solution. So it's a little bit of a kind of a layered cake. Yeah. What do you, have you ever run into a situation? Well, I'm sure you have, but how would you handle someone, maybe a client, maybe pushing back on recommendations that you make? And so we actually, any conversation that we have with leaders, especially with leadership, because I understand that they are, you know, everybody has their own agendas, their own goals, every, you know, they, a lot of these organizations work in siloed sort of environments. And so it's really, really important that we have the initial conversation about our findings on the technology stack map and the process map. And then we can have a conversation about how we're going. And it must be, everybody must be included in that conversation about how we're going to address what's going on. And so anytime that we get pushback, pushback can mean a couple of things. It typically, typically means fear. So anytime that I'm getting pushback, you know, we don't want to do this. It's either genuinely budget, which is usually not the case, because if it's a real problem and you're, you know, we can do the numbers for you. If it's, if you have high attrition and you can't seem to retain great talent, there is an enormous cost to that turnover and we can help do the math for that. Usually pushback is fear. And so the conversation turns into, let's talk about this. Tell me what's going on. Why do you feel that way? You know, and try to get to the bottom of it. What I have learned through the years is that fear is like any other fear. You know, if you really found out that I really don't know what I'm doing, you know, like, or something like that. <laughs> A lot of it, a lot of it has to do with that, you know, that they'll be found out that people will know that they don't really know what they're doing or they're having these technology conversations, but they really don't know what it means to have an ERP or an MRP or whatever it is, you know. So um, we kind of try to help them unpack that and it's it's OK and, you know, and we get to the bottom of it. You know, if I really can't move the needle after trying to understand like what's really going on you know we can't we can only bring the horse to the water we can't make them drink so you know right. in cases i mean it's you know usually we get to the bottom of it but in some cases you just you can't if they're not ready they're just not ready and depending on where you know how much influence they have um sometimes you can't which is unfortunate usually yeah it reminds me of why like when you go to a doctor's office and, they, and it's the first time you're there and they do an intake and they ask you all these questions about, yeah. you know, symptoms that you've had. Um, and they obviously do that before they see you and make any kind of diagnosis. And it's 
I, I always have believed that it's partially because they want to get accurate data. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's like like what I do with my clients when when I get a brand new client. The first thing we do is um, we talk about their staff and it always surprises them that we talk about their staff. Um, but I want to get their feedback on their staff. And then I assess their leadership style. And okay. what's always interesting is you can almost tell what their leadership style is by the way they assess their staff. Yes. Um, so that it starts to reveal the root cause of whatever's whatever trouble they have. But then if you present them with the diagnosis and here's the plan that we're going to do, they tend to push back. And you're right. It's about the fear. They they don't want to deal with the changes and they're worried about, yeah. well, I've met, I've figured out how to deal with what I'm dealing with right now, but what if I can't deal with what's on the other side of this um, engagement? And I mean, well, the it unknown is, is, is always scary. Unknown is scary for everyone. And yes. change is hard for everyone, even change that you want. Um, we do, we start change management for our projects from the very beginning because I understand that as well. And managing the message and, you know, if you don't manage the message in a lot of these large organizations, the story will evolve. It's, she's coming in to fire me to, did you hear she fired? <laughs> no one's gotten fired, you know, or, or whatever, whatever the story is. And so um, just managing that message is, is incredibly important. And it takes a lot of pressure also off the leadership. So we do. Well, it's, interesting you, it's interesting you say that. Cause I recall like early on in my IT career, I worked for a guy who was, we worked at a law firm. And so it was a unique like situation where he reported to the partners, um, the okay. director of technology. So he reported to the partners and they never had a person running their technology yeah. for before. So some of the things he asked for and, and ways he handled things rubbed them a little bit the wrong way. And so one of the partners hired a consulting team to come in and basically their goal was to say, get rid of this guy. And quite the opposite, they were told, I can't understand how he's done half the stuff he's done with the budget you've given him, the constraints you've given him. Yeah. And I actually think you should unleash him and you'd see a big change in your firm. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, those people were willing to accept the answers, you know, that they yeah. got. But so you talked about four areas that people, processes, tech and customer experience. Um, let's talk about people for a minute. Uh, what do you think? what do you think companies do wrong? You know, there's, there's the buzzword going around these days of company culture. Um, what do you think they do wrong when trying to build or fix a company culture? I think there's a couple of things to look at. Um, one being assumptions. Leaders tend to make assumptions about a lot of things. They make assumptions about you know, what people want, what is going to make this a cool place to work. People want ping pong tables or kegerators or, um, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, all the bells and whistles or a gym or free pizza or free lunches, whatever it might be. Um, they also tend to make assumptions about what's going on, what's wrong. This person misses work a lot, so they must be looking for another job when that's, or this person works from home more than they work from the office, um, so they must not be happy or they must be slacking off or shopping online. So there's a lot of like assumptions going on about what is and what isn't. And so I think that's probably the first thing to look at is how many things have you come up with about what's going on with culture, with people that are 
strictly assumptions, not fact-based. Even if someone told you he said Mike's this, whatever, it's still an assumption. Um, so I'd say first, first things first is stop assuming that you know or don't know. Um, start asking questions. Have the entire team engage in this conversation. Definitely get to the root cause of why things are or are not happening. And culture, I feel like I sort of preach this to, you know, I say this too much probably, but but culture, um, and I know you and I have spoken about this, but culture is not the gym in the building or or the, you know, the, 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 the bells and whistles, the perks. It's fun and it's great to have those things and it's a nice thing to have. It's a nice thing to say to your team, take a load off on a Friday afternoon if you want to, whatever, if we're having a half day Friday or summer Fridays or whatever it is, um, take a load off, you know, play a game of pool or whatever it is. That's amazing. Um, and it's a nice thing to, to have, take a load off. But that's not the culture. That has very little to do with the culture, frankly. Um, culture is how does your team, your team, not assuming what your team or how they, how do they get from one day to the next? How do they get stuff done? That's your culture. And until you prepare yourself to spend the time, spend the money, and get the resources that they need to be successful, you will struggle. I believe you will struggle with culture. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that culture, when I'm asked to define like what is culture, um, I think of things that if you were working at a job that, you know, for the most part, you like the work that you do, et cetera. Um, and then someone comes along and offers you the same exact job, maybe even in the same building you're in. Let's just keep it easy so we don't have to have a lot of other variables. But the pay rate was maybe, you know, 5% higher. Um, what keeps you at your current position is the culture that's there. You look at the other job and you say, I'm not going to be comfortable with that. And I'm not going to be comfortable with that. It certainly isn't the gym, the pizza parties, um, the donuts on Friday, you know, Whatever. the other place has stuff like that too. Those are just perks. And they, and quite honestly, you could live without them. I mean, if you yeah. really thought about it, you know, you yeah. could live with, you can get your own donuts, get your own right. gym membership, et cetera. You don't need all this. Yeah. Um, so it's the thing, it's the glue that keeps you where you're at and makes that decision to not to jump to the other job so much easier. Um, and I think it's a thing that while we hear people talk about it, are they actually being intentional about yeah. dealing with it? And I think the answer to that is no. Yeah. I find that it's the number one complaint of clients that I get that their company culture is bad. And they throw up their hands like, oh, there's nothing that I can do. And I always teach them. Make your culture in your department the best culture possible. Like change the way you're treating your people. Don't yeah. follow the corporate way of doing it. Do it your way. Um, and it has to, it will work because yeah. your people are going to be so much happier. Other teams are going to be asking, what are they doing? Why, how come yeah. they're so happy and we're working in the same place? So I, I always find that um, people issues are very elusive too because people don't always tell you what's really on their mind. Right. And so, you know, you got to depend, I, I, not depend, you have to trust what they're saying to you and just go with it, right? I mean, you can't, you can't start, like you said earlier, the person's calling in sick to work a lot. 
well, maybe ask them why. Don't assume why. Yeah. Ask yeah. them why. And what's going on? Why aren't you here? Um, but ask or the them person like with- a human, right? Yeah. You want to make sure that you're also not forgetting to be a human being and make yeah. a human connection with these folks. You've hired and you're working with people. Remember to be also a person. They could have something going on at home. They could have a sick or an elderly parent or guardian, whatever it might be. You don't know. You don't know. Or they could personally be, you know, going through something. So it's like, remember to be a person. Yeah. So like, what advice would you have for like a new a new leader, someone that's been put into a position of authority, they've never done it before. Um, what advice have you got for that person? Yeah. Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, so I would say, first and foremost, take some courses on leadership. Don't assume that you know how to be a leader, uh, even if you've been with the company or been in the space for however many decades, right? It's <laughs> don't assume that you know. Um, get some help and get some tools and resources for yourself on how to manage other people. Um, That would be probably my number one suggestion. I meet a lot of leaders or emerging leaders. Yeah, just kind of bossing people around or you just know the business really well. That doesn't make you a successful leader. If you want to be really good at it, I would say, you know, get some external help, get some tools and kind of learn how to manage other people because you will quickly learn that it is absolutely not about you and it never will be about you. Um, It is about lighting the fire in other people who work with you, I should say, you know, maybe not at the leadership level, but the people who work with you, um, it's about lighting the fire in in them, you know, so yeah. being a leader is is less sexy, I think, than you want to know. <laughs> right? Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, I remember back to a business that, you know, I came in from the outside and um, there were three owners and um, they each had like their area of responsibility in the company. And what was intriguing was um, two of the three, their departments were growing like they were continually as the business grew, their department grew. But one in particular, he started out with one employee and he had one employee and wasn't going anywhere. And I had some interactions with this person that kind of told me why. Like there there was a time that like we spent 80 hours fixing a piece of software, rolled it out on their busiest day because it had to be rolled out and zero problems, zero. And his response was rather than say, oh, congratulations, good job. His response was, you know, I see that light switch over there. When I flip it on in the morning, I don't call the electrician and thank him for it working. So completely missing the point. So years later, the CEO and I were having lunch and he asked me like, you know, what do you think's up with that? And I told him he doesn't treat people like they're human beings. He treats them like they're, you know, his indentured servant. And that's why no one wants to work for him. And that's not something you can fix. He has to fix it. You know, it has yeah. to come from him. Um, and you're, you're emotional intelligence, you mean. Right. And, and, and also no leadership training. I and mean, these were guys that came in as entrepreneurs. They had an idea. They started a business. They did all the parts themselves. And to their surprise, they grew to a huge company really quickly. And now what do you do? I don't know how to lead a company. What do I do now? One, one of two of the, and interestingly, this is an interesting point too. The two that their departments grew, they joined organizations like, you know, young entrepreneurs organization and things like that to learn how to be leaders. Um, The other one did not. So I think, you know, it also, I think it comes down to, if you're going to be a successful leader, you kind of have to have the passion for that. 
Um, because you're right. It's not as sexy as people think. It's not, everyone wants to be the boss until they're the boss and they yeah. don't want to be the boss anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, I, I think Mike and I can tell you firsthand, it's, it's truly not as sexy as anyone might think. Um, you don't get to jet set all over the, all over the world. Like it's, it, yeah, it's, it's not, uh, um, you know, I think leadership for, for me personally is, is, is very gratifying, but it's not sexy. I can tell you that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's, you know, it's a lot of long days and whatnot, but yeah. it feels satisfying at the end. Um, but I mean, it's why, I, it's why I sometimes get bothered by, um, some of the trends lately of like people railing against CEO salaries and whatnot. And I say, you know, who's the one stressing all the time and making sure that the business is yeah. coming in and that you guys are getting paid and that your paycheck doesn't bounce and all that stuff. That's, that's the CEO. They're worrying about all that stuff. And, yeah. and if they're the owner of the business, they took a hundred percent of the risk to start the business in the first place. If it were to fail, you're going to move on to another job. They're, they're going to be in debt. That's the difference. Um, so I think, I think your, your concept of, you know, like taking leadership courses, getting help, um, I think getting help's a big one, uh, recognizing that asking a question and needing help about your job with your job isn't a sign of weakness, right? It's, it's actually a sign of strength. It shows, you know, what you, you kind of know what you don't know, which, you know, is usually the saying is you don't know what you don't know, but in this case, you you kind of know what you don't know and you're going to go fix it. Um, it's like this show, you know, I, I spend time, um, weekly having uh, about two hours where I just look back at old episodes and I say, well, this worked, this didn't work. Um, and it's helped me fine tune finding people like you that can come on the show and give good data to my listeners, because ultimately they're the ones that matter. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've understood these things or we wouldn't be here talking about them. So uh, I find that interesting. Now let's talk about processes because, you know, one of my nicknames is Mr. Process and uh, it's because, you know, for, for a while I, I I worked with virtual assistants and um, I taught them how to scale their business. And really I did it through processes. I had like a process org chart. I had them break down every part of their business and then identify the gaps um, automate as much as possible, et cetera. So how, how do you see processes playing a role in helping businesses out? First of all, I love all of that. What you just said, um, makes, makes my heart warm, but, um, I would say, look, process plays probably the the most, I mean, we all have, they all play the most critical role. Right? I shouldn't say that, but process is just how we get from one day to the next. How do we get this thing done? There is steps and tasks and, things that we must do and technology we must use. And so I say this about process to any leader that's that's listening. Um, the more that you can automate um, administrative tasks or manual workarounds, um, um, eliminate manual work, workarounds, right? And folks, your team, your people, your human capital can get back to doing the things that are valuable to the business and to their role the better off ultimately you're going to be, the more authentic your data is going to be, the more accurate, right? You don't want people cobbling data together. You don't want, you know, people spending too much time, um, you know, doing things that are just not necessary that that technology can quite simply um, automate. Um, 
you know, and so I would say the, the, the more that we can simplify a process and get folks back to doing things that are more valuable to the business, to the bottom line, to the customer, whatever it might be that their area of focus is, um, the better off ultimately the business is going to be and the better off they're going to be. Um, you want to hire people that you're paying really good money to, to be doing things that are valuable to them and to your business. So process plays, you know, a really important role in that, in doing that. So that's what I would say about process. Automate, simplify, get technology that will, you know, obviously um, aid in helping the humans do things better and faster. Well, I think I think it kind of goes back to what you said when you were talking about culture. You said, you know, how does your team get from one day to the next? Yeah, processes play a big role in that. You know, getting them from one day to the next. I mean, I've I can think back. I mean, I, I have a company that we do NetSuite development, and I can think back to many many clients who did people who were literally ready to walk out on their job because it was taking yeah. them so long, and yeah. we created some processes, and suddenly. They're extremely happy in their job. Um, yeah. It's sometimes things like that that make all the difference in the world. And you've got like processes make someone's job a little bit easier too. Uh, yeah. And processes create consistency and human beings love consistency. The more consistent yeah. we are, it's why do you think we fear change? Because we want it to yeah. be consistent. We want, it, yeah. we want to know that we wake up tomorrow and we do X, Y, Z. Then we wake up the yeah. next day and we do X, Y, Z. Um, it's just how we are. We're kind of boring like that. But um, it, you know, not it's everybody's predictability, right? Like, yeah, in how we do something, they want it to be predictable. Yeah. Also, process simplification reduces stress, increases employee engagement. Like, there's so much, there's so much interconnection between people and process and technology. Um, but it is about your human capital. It's about reducing the, the level of stress for them, um, inc increasing employee engagement. If I'm doing something that is valuable to me and valuable to the business, then naturally I will be happier because I feel productive. I feel valuable. I feel like a, a resource. You know, if you've ever asked someone for directions or how to do something, they're, you know, they light up. They want to tell you how they do it or how they would do it. And so it's, um, it's the kind of thing where like, you're helping that human feel more valuable and be more valuable, but mostly totally feel agree. is important. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Yeah. Um, why don't you let listeners know where they can find you if they want to reach out? Oh, absolutely. So thanks for that. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Amanda A. Russo on LinkedIn, um, or you can head to our website. We actually have a lot of um, resources there. Um, our website is CPC. And then the words changeagent.com, that's cpcchangeagent.com. Um, we have a number of ebooks that are you can download. Um, we also have um, a survey you can take to get a free business strategy. Um, we've got a very active, I think, informative blog. And so, yeah, we've got, we've got quite a bit there uh, that you can check out. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure those get into the notes. Thanks. So listeners, you don't have to rush right a lot down. It'll be in the notes. But thanks again for being here. It's been a really enlight enlightening conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike, for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Gaining the Technology Leadership Edge. We'll be back next week with another episode. 